It's been a tumultuous 12 months for supporters of the Collingwood Football Club. However, the winds of change are sweeping through the glasshouse with notes of hope, new beginnings, and subtle hints of Lynx Africa. As is our mission at Pie Hard, we take you behind closed doors to chat with the architects of change at the club. And this pod is no exception as we dive into the much lauded process of finding a new coach from one of the five men responsible for the decision. Premiership magpie and all-round nice guy, Luke Ball. We don't regurgitate the news on this podcast. We make it. This is Pie Hard. Looking at Collingwood today, it's hard to imagine that this was one of the toughest suburbs in Melbourne. I have a magpie tattooed in a certain spot. I wouldn't say it's the biggest magpie getting around. Out of control brawl outside a Collingwood pub. 60 years ago, it was lined with boot factories. As gritty, grotty suburbs in prime locations turned into trendy hotspots. One's had five bounces, nearly get another one. He's the smartest guy on the team. Because we don't have too many to pick from. You've got to go back to Billy Graham at the MCG for an American to dominate like this. The bubbles bursting three decades of grand final wobbles. I still can't believe it. I can. Oh. A weekend order by the club of 288,000 cans to be consumed. More comfortable in myself. It's as close as you'll get to greatness, you peanut shutter. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Pie Hard. Potentially our last episode of Pie Hard for season 2021. Uh, many would say it couldn't come sooner, but I think there might be, I don't know, it's maybe a bit too early to call this as our last episode because we do have the AGM coming up, but by God, hopefully not too many more. And I think before I introduce you, Alex, I wonder if the mood of this podcast, uh, considering all that's transpired in the last few weeks, needs to be a little bit less bombastic, a little bit less hyperbole, maybe not as much fanfare. Maybe just strip back slightly, devoid of excess. Maybe just, uh, I don't know, just tone back somewhat to to fit the overall mood of uh, the Collingwood Football Club right now. Alex Watkins, welcome to Pie Hard Thoughts. You see, I think the mood at Collingwood right now is positively buoyant. I mean, it's something of a honeymoon period after the, um, the new coach selection process was greeted with open arms. And we're going to get into that later. My question for you, Damo, off the top, mm. love the intro. Um, does Lynx Thanks. still have a stranglehold on young draftees today, do you think? I think it's the number one. And don't forget with Lynx too, it's not about the young draftees. Lynx is mainly purchased by their mums. Oh. Uh, so it's not it's not a conscious decision by our, our young draftees, the, the Ollie Henrys of the world or the Nick Dacoses. It's still primarily a purchase by the main grocery buyer, which is the mother. So until they break three, break free of the nest, uh-huh. I think the the, uh, the bathroom cupboard is going to be well and truly stocked by, uh, well, all types of Lynx products. The thing that gets me about Lynx is it's not even an uh, antiperspirant, is it? I don't think. I think no, Lynx no, is just not. a scent. Um, so the mums out there would do, do well to kind of look into that because it's not going to protect your young drafted family member from... Um, the sweat and toil that he's no, destined for. No, and fun fact for our listeners out there, Lynx in uh, the United States is called Axe and in the okay. UK. Did you know that? No. always wondered why they changed the name. But- it's got to be opportunity for a co-branded kind of sponsorship arrangement. 
Collingwood links. We'll, we'll think about that one. We'll think about that. But yeah, I, I do get your point. I do get your point. It is a buoyant mood, but obviously not as buoyant as, you know, top down Lexus smoke machine, lazy Susan type vibe at the, the at the Lexus Center right now. It is, it is, there, there is still that, you know, that layer of of buoyancy and excitement, mm. but not not to the f- levels of fanfare I think we've previously seen at the Collingwood Football Club. And I can't wait to um like a tin of uh Serena tuna just crack that mm. open and um start start gobbling up. Well it's funny you say that. I mean that probably leads me into my hard no if I should if I should go there oh, this early. Please by all means <laughs> please go somewhere. Well look Damo um you're right fanfare all time for such a momentous announcement. Mm. The fanfare mm. was an all-time low. The, the <laughs> glitz and the glamour it was a non-existent. It was it was a funeral oration. It was a wake of epic proportions. Uh-huh. Um, it couldn't have been a more drab mm. corporate. Um, what's that? What does mm. Quartermanth do again? They strip back, you know, yeah, strip companies, of all family companies of their heritage yeah. and worth. Answer. Look, my hard no. Uh, we'll keep this one simple. <laughs> Mark, you're never going to be Eddie. We know that. We don't expect you to be Eddie, but nor should you be a president of an AFL club. It's time to go, Mark. None of this <laughs> faffing about you know end of next season. What what is this? Apparently that was bli- apparently that blindsided the rest of the board. That announcement that I'm going into next season, as if he mm. can kind of like entangle the decision in in a kind of mire of like good governance. Mm. What's mm. not good governance to announce the momentous occasion of a new uh, exciting new young coach to the Collingwood position? Mm. In such a flaccid manner, Damo. So that's my hard note. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting move by quarter, isn't it? Because uh, clearly the writing's on the wall. When's the AGM? It's in November or something like that. Mm. Um, you know, e- even all of the discussion over the last few weeks has been, I mean, you've seen this play out in, in the press, but there seems to be a lot of jostling and negotiations behind the scenes about, <laughs> about a handover. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if this is a strategic move by uh, Darth Quarter just to, um, you know, it's kind of like if he does get bounced, it's like, well, I was leaving anyway, so you know, yeah, fuck you guys anyway. But um, yeah, it's it's an, <laughs> I mean, this is the interesting thing, right? Mm. So I know, let me allow me to get serious tell for me, one tell second. Me. Yep. The the fanfare and kind of the jubilation oh, is jubilation the right word? I don't know. The the amount that. The overflowing of positivity we've seen with the appointment of Craig McRae yeah. is really what we were looking for with the departure of Eddie Maguire. All we wanted mm. as fans and as members was just something different, something new, something fresh, something interesting, and something that we hadn't seen before. Mm. When Cora, and look, I don't know about his business. He's obviously very good at what he does, which is, as we said, stripping back companies um, and uh, and making them, you know, attractive for, for resale. Mm. Be good on Depop, actually. Be good at taking, you know, all uh, used fashion, sort of re-spinning that. But mm. that's a side note. Sad. Side note. We, we all wanted that. We all thought that Maguire leaving was the time to usher in a new a new change, mm. and we didn't get it. No. We didn't get it. And if we had have got it, I doubt we'd even be talking about Collingwood boards or Collingwood presidencies, really? Yeah, because we didn't get it, and that started the you know season that long was, black hole. That was the black hole, and then look what happens: Buckley, favorite son, leaves. We don't give it to Harvey. We don't give it to Sanderson again. Cue the cue the riot. 
We give it to a new guy and lo and behold, uh, expectations are reset. Optimism. Uh, optimism, hope, mm. buoyancy. Yeah, it was anyway. just a massive misreading of the room Yeah, to yeah. think that Corder, after such a long term with Eddie, could step in, like quietly assume the seat and somehow usher us into a, a new period of success when every indication culturally, mm. on-field, off-field, uh, and COVID playing into that, cried out for a new, spirited, optimistic, fresh start. And a new look, voice. Mark. You might be good at what you do, but you are not that fresh start and you never were. So just get off the seat. I don't care if it's Brown or someone else. Mm. I'd love to have a female president personally. You know, mm. get someone good in the seat. Let's move on. We've got Craig. We should be excited, Magpies. And that's what we're maybe, determined to be. Maybe quarter was the wake-up call and if there was no quarter, there would there would be no McRae. So, look, mm. all good. All's well that ends well. My hard no. I might as well start with the hard no now. This story is a couple of weeks old now, but um, I think it's worth touching base on because we haven't really dived into this one. Now, this hard no concerns our captain, Scott Pendlebury. Now, okay. I don't know if you saw this um, news uh, this news out there. Uh, I think it was all over socials. But he did, you know, our captain and games record holder did raise a few eyebrows. Mm. Now, I've got to say that when I saw it, I was incredibly disappointed, really because it's not something that you'd expect to see from a Collingwood captain, especially uh, when the team has been underperforming and the media mm -hmm. have just been laying their boots in. Alex, you know what I'm talking about? I think I might, Damo. Is this um, when Scott came out and um, basically invited speculation about his contract through the media um, and implied that he was looking elsewhere? No, I'm talking about a photo posted on socials of Scott eating pizza on a wooden board. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, that one. Now, <laughs> to our listeners out there, serving food on a wooden board, not only is it unhygienic, it's a, it's a, it's a trend in gastronomy that really died in 2018. It's like, the, it's like pesto, sun-dried sun tomatoes and wedges with sour cream mm. and sweet chili sauce. Focaccia that, that bread. Really, focaccia bread that really died out in the late 90s. And it's like sourdough bread now. We're, we're done. We're over it. So love you, Scott. You know you know, we're, we're huge fans of Scott Pendlebury on the pod, but um, sometimes you need a plate. Mm. And I would say, I guess the rare exception would be a charcuterie board, maybe. Um, but that's a little bit different because that's more of a sharing apparatus. Mm. Sharing is okay, I think. But you know, if you if you walk into a restaurant and they're serving your main dish on a wooden board, trust me, get you want to run, get you want to get the hell out of there. So <laughs> hard no, too rustic, uh, too rustic, too too Instagrammable. I think I think it's aimed at. It was definitely around that period where Instagram yeah. was really introduced, and it was seen more as a uh, an apparatus to get uh, get some of that engagement up. But I'm gonna call it wooden wooden boards. Not only are they a breeding ground for germs, they are this week's hard no. Let's go into your hard yes, Alex. My hard yes uh, for this week is, um, oh, look, this was good. I mean, I enjoyed this immensely. Did you see, <laughs> did you see uh, Craig McRae, not the press conference announcement, which we will talk about, but <laughs> yeah. his appearance on AFL 360 as recently uh, yeah. as yesterday mm. or the day before? Did you see that? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch it live, but um, okay. So here's what I took. I think out of the it. club. Yeah, here's what I took out of it. Now, McRae was um, was asked, you know, what what his kind of beginnings with the club looks like. Um, he actually said that interestingly during this coach selection process that uh, he was asked to outline the first three months of his reign as coach and exactly what that looks mm. like. I'm sure he did that via mm. PowerPoint or some other, you know, tech heavy. Um, visual uh, means but keynote keynote these days but what i was interested in is he said that he's gone out of his way to have a one-hour interview with all the players and he said he's 30 players deep which i think that's probably three quarters of the list (laughs) having a one-hour sit down but he only mentioned by name two players Mm. now i thought it was very instructive which players those were what Mm. was the first one can you remember uh it was the captain it was the captain scott yeah so he obviously wanted to make it known that he was getting on board with Scott. Scott was getting mm. on board with him. He saw a future with Scott. And mm. I think p- putting out some of those flames that you alluded to, that, you know, that furor that the um, supporter group had over the um, the pizza on the um, the wooden board, wooden board fiasco. And mm. he wanted to just kind of iron out any creases there and Scott's a part of the future. The only other player, and I love this, that he <laughs> mentioned by name, it wasn't like anyone in the leadership group. Do you know who it was? I've got no idea. Nick Dacos. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he's had a one-hour yeah, chat so with our Nick. And we know from the Dacosian calendar on Byheart mm. that we believe the future of the club lies with Nick. Mm. Um, and he is, you know, the chosen, the princely one mm. who's destined mm. to take us to great heights in probably mm. the year 2025 to 2027. The diamond in the rough, if anyone's seen Aladdin. Craig Fly McRae. He knows exactly the same thing, and he's mm. he's jumped on the line to um, Scott and learned about Scott's family, and he's jumped on the line to Nick, and they're mm. the only two names you mentioned. So <laughs> I just thought it was a, a brilliant uh, and also kind of an insight into modern-day coach kind of relationship building that, like, this kid's not drafted yet, but the need to, like, build relationships and that kind of synergy and rapport that coaches need with players, with young mm. players today. You know, can you imagine a, a coach in the 70s or 80s like calling up an undrafted, you know, young blood? Probably not. Mm. So that's my hard yes. Yeah. Joe, that sounds like a lot. 30, what, what is that? 30 meetings, an hour-long meetings, like 30 hours of sitting on a Zoom. I wonder if any of the players, he invited them to join with another player. Like you could see Braden Sire and... <laughs> Yeah, he's got like what one of the groups had eight people and it was all yeah, the people yeah, he's yeah. gonna deal with. It's so ominous. It's Mason Cox. Yeah, yeah, Sire, yeah. Josh Thomas. Who else? Anyway, that would be harsh. Mm, that would be very harsh. But uh yeah, interesting. I, I wonder if the Scott and the Nick timing was some kind of, I don't know, subtle handover, captaincy to a first timer. Has that ever been done before? Wow. Have we ever handed over the captaincy? To uh, what is he? Seventeen or eighteen-year-old kid, not ha- never played football. Not even, not even part of the list. Not even technically on the list yet. But uh, that, geez, would that would be, be another a brazen level. move. That would be, be a brazen move. Another level. But I find this just to, just to cap it off. I find this generational thing interesting. Like you go to the oldest player on the list, who's got got one, two years left in him, who's articulated that he might leave the club, mm. and you've got this this the future of the club. And I feel like it, the dynamic is a little bit like. You do when you choose a new girlfriend or you've got the hots mm. on a new a new person, you tend to even subconsciously start to 
kind of let the old connection wither. And oh, yeah. I don't know what you think of this, but with that whole fiasco with the pizza board and mm. Scott's announcement in the media that he might go coaching somewhere else, there is an element of, and I don't think I'm just imagining this, this should almost be a blasphemy. There's an element mm. of Collingwood falling out of love with Pendlebury because <gasps> we are looking to the new generation and we know, we know pretty much for a fact, I'd say it is a fact, that Scott mm. Pendlebury will not be playing our next premiership. So we naturally look look to the future and, mm. and so does Craig. So good on him. Damn, I reckon you've just cancelled Piehard with that um, blasphemy, but I hope, I hope not. But I do, I do understand. I, I think there is definitely something with this coach and this list and an understanding from supporters that we are, mm. you know, we are now a good handful of years away from from competing again, and that's fine. It's, the focus is on the D word, big D energy development. Mm-hmm. But but <laughs> if that if you are a player over thirty, if you're a player over twenty seven, that does put you in the crosshairs somewhat in terms of the Dacosian calendar and our chart back to uh, the top. Back to Broadway. So it's natural. It is natural for supporters to look at uh, our elder statesmen within the team and go, you still might have a role to play, obviously, with development and with, you know, you can't just have a team of young kids, right? So you, you still need the balance. You still, you can't be too bottom heavy. Otherwise, mm, you know, those Melbourne did that. They destroyed like seven players. You need the teachers. So McRae knows that. He's spoken about that. But, yeah, there is a... It does slightly shift the visual a little bit mm. to, okay, we know where we're at. There's no illusions now. Last year we were like, hey, we're, we were like a game away or two games away. Maybe if we just got that. Maybe if we just got this. Yeah. Now we're under no goddamn illusions. We know exactly where we are. All right, I'll go into my hard yes because it's somewhat related. Give it to me. Do you remember MTV Unplugged? I remember Unplugged in New York with uh, oh yeah, Nirvana. Kurt, yeah. Mm. Well, uh, Unplug was a staple of MTV's programming lineup in the 1990s. And for our listeners out in um, Pie Hard Land that might not be super familiar, Unplugged essentially it featured really popular artists of the time performing almost entirely or, or somewhat acoustically. Yeah. Um, and, and featured you know performances of their of their biggest hits, offering. Um, I guess supporters and fans, I shouldn't say supporters, it's, it's more fans, right? Fans mm-hmm. of the bands to kind of experience their music in a new and different way. Now, it's a little bit more of a passe thing now. I think it's, you know, it's accepted that, you know, bands will release acoustic albums and, and mm. you know, release music in new and different ways. But back then, back in the 90s, to hear Nirvana, like, strip back mm. like that with, like, cellos and harps Raw. and candles and shit like that, it was it was random. <laughs> candles, yeah. Um. So I'm I'm calling this new era of Collingwood Collingwood unplugged. Okay. And what it is, it's just stripping back a lot of the bombastic sounds, mm. a lot of the lead guitar that was prevalent throughout uh, Maguire's reign, a lot of the pyrotechnics, a lot of the you know the double bass drum kind of Motley Crue you know spinning yeah. apparatuses. You know, that, that really kind of insane Kiss-like performance. And just going back to basics, just going back to, you know, a couple, a handful of acoustic guitars. Mm, finger plucking. You know, finger plucking, <laughs> maybe some candles. And i, I got to say, 
I'm all for it. And obviously it's it's a large part is being driven by Graham Wright, but clearly with McRae coming in knows where exactly where we're at. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about the music theme and, you know, how McRae and Graham Wright, what's the dynamic there? Mm. And again, for music lovers out there, are you familiar with the rhythm section? Mm. The rhythm section is bass and drums. So it's not the guitarist. It's not the lead singer. It's not like the the guys at the front of the stage. It's the the rhythm section is effectively the ones that that uh, drive you know, it. Drive it. So they supply rhythm as opposed to like harmony and melody. Less flashy. Sit behind. They don't take the limelight. They don't take the spotlight. And when I think of like excellent or like all time great rhythm sections, you think of you know Phil Rudd and Cliff Williams from ACDC. You think of Charlie Watts. R.I.P. and Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. Sly and Robbie, if you're into reggae, um, a really great rhythm section uh, that played on a lot of Bob Marley records. They are the guys that just behind the scenes are keeping that rhythm chugging along. Mm-hmm. And I like to think my hard yes is, you know, the duo of Craig McRae and uh, Graham Wright. And I think if you were going to name this duo, because every duo needs a name, Kind of like the idea of fly right or straighten up and fly right. Mm, okay, you, yeah, yeah. Into all it. of that, or potentially, right. potentially um, flies pies. Yeah. Okay. Rhymes. Okay. That's good. So good start. It does. It does. So, you know, I was looking at I was looking at McRae and I was kind of thinking, how would we market fly right um, to an audience? And he's kind of got I don't know if you picked up on this, but he's kind of got that kind of porn starish look. Craig McRae. Have you ever <laughs> noticed that? Like he's not pretty in the face, but he's beguiling. He's beguiling. You can imagine him cleaning out, you know, the Lexus Center pool. <laughs> this maybe with a, and he's you know. judging from his press conference, you're never quite sure whether he's about to break into a big grin or cry. That- <laughs> he's got a smirk. <laughs> he does. He does have a smirk, but I like that. That's personality. That's yeah. the larrikin. We lost this at Collingwood for a long time, but. You know, those familiar with the Collingwood backstory, those who have watched Kill, uh, watched, sorry, fuck, I keep always saying watch, everything's watching now. Those that have read Kill for Collingwood, which remains to this day the most important historical text about the Collingwood Football Club, will know Mm -hmm. that from our early beginnings right through to the 2010 Premiership, right through to your Braden Sires of the world and that guy from Sydney that got busted for drugs, there's a larrikin element to mm. our football club that is often in the world of professional sports frowned upon. But mark my words, it is such an integral part of this football team and this side and has given so much, like, mention Rat Pack. Like, does anyone say Rat Pack and everyone's like, oh, God, squandered, wasted, you know, mm. years. If only they'd trained harder. If only they'd stayed off the boots. No, those stories, they're folklore within Collingwood. And the fact that we won with those guys is, is even better. Yeah. And look. It's just a part of our fabric. So I like that. Where am I going with this? I like that McRae has that edge about him. You can tell that he's a bit of a practical joker, right? You can tell he gets on the booze. Cheeky. He's always he's the fire starter, right? He's always the guy kind of like zipping around like a Kelpie. But dressed you know. up in extraordinarily neat fashion. So it's it's beguiling, that's what I'm saying. You know, there's a cheeky, <laughs> irreverent fly underneath the um the there well was, presented. There, wa- there wasn't a lot of neatness, uh, with regards to the launch photograph of uh, Lepich, Bolton, and McRae, it's a, well, was it's gonna- a trio, though. I don't know if that. I don't know if Neat really ran across my. I was going to uh, bring this one up, and I mm, liked your it. reference of the uh, 
rhythm section. Mm, thanks. My my issue with it is that you made it sound pretty groovy. Like, you know, mm. we know what we're doing. We've got Graham right there on the funky. bass. Yeah, funky. funky, like kind of rubbery, <laughs> like driving along. <laughs> Slinky. But what happens when you add, let's say, <laughs> Brendan Bolton to the mix? It's more like Jersey Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of stage musical with a dwarf. Um, what's it? No, what's the Australian one? Human nature. <laughs> Human nature. Then you, you put in Justin Lepich. <laughs> it's a bit more of a Fred Durst. You know, he's wearing shorts. <laughs> if you haven't seen that photograph, by hard listeners, they released a It's a Motley Crew. They released a it's a jarble, a, a garble of influences. <laughs> You got a photograph released by the club with the three new coaches, <laughs> all wearing quite. I think Chunky bought this up on the WhatsApp. Yeah, yeah quite yeah. Um, clashing attire. Um, all three, they're, they're they're situated in a. They've been positioned mm. in a flying V formation. Mm. Mm. Justin Lepich is at the rear on the left. Mm. He's he's got his big barrel chest and big red mm. glowing head and black mm. shorts. So his mm. his big trunk like legs are exposed to the sunshine in front of Lex Center with a Band-Aid on his shin, which is just mm. strange. Mm. You've got Fly McRae in the foreground, of course, at the um, head of the Flying V, and he's got white uh, sneakers. They look like, are they Vans? Um, I'd like if they were Vans. That would be um, that would be novel. Oh, I've, I've seen that before. Not sure. Install a half pipe at the uh, glass they house. They might be like. What are those ones called, like checkers or whatever? Those yeah, shitty I, shoes. I haven't, I haven't seen them. I reckon they're the fancy ones that cost like four hundred and fifty bucks. Nah. They, they look like they look like Converse, but they're really, really expensive. And funnily enough, not. on the three, the first thing Bly McRae said in the three sixty mm. was, they said, "What's it like being calling coaches at Sunkin?" He's like, "Well, I got a, I got a new pair of Nikes." <laughs> <laughs> so um, he's going up in the board. And things, in the back there, up. we've got Brendan Bolton, um, the pygmy, um, looking quite serious. Mm. And in the same interview, um, I thought it was instructive that McCraig said of Bolton, he's really structured. That's mm. all he had to say about Bolton. <laughs> and you can tell he's mm. he's not the front man, he's not the personality man, you know, but no. um, in, in the rhythm section, he's just bopping away at the back. Um, mm. Head head tilting, yeah. Head tilting. And um, look, I'm who, thrilled. Who would, who would be who? Would McCrae be the drummer and um, write th- the bassist or the other way around? Well, I actually think Lepich looks more like a drummer. He just absolutely yeah, he the does living look like shit animal, out of that. Like animal those, from the Muppets, yeah. Pig skins or yeah, what, what are they made time. of? Drums made of pig skins, and that's a football. Anyway. No, so I think it's just, yeah, synthetic. Um, thrilled with the new appointments. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's good. And just with that photo, I mean, that's that's really the – that's a lot of people technically frown upon it, but that's that's where cropping I think would really come into its own. Well, they just, clearly weren't told that their legs would mm, be in shot when they were yeah, dressing in the yeah, morning. Yeah, but they've gone with a wide frame. Um, I love, I love, also love the the look of like you know. There's a couple of things with that photo. If we do want to spend some time on it, and it's like, you know, when you when you pull a new top out of the plastic wrapper and just stick it on, it still has the oh, creases, creases in the folds. I was looking at that. Yeah, it's like really good crease action. And then if you can see clearly, what's happened with Lepich is they've told him, okay, we're going to do a shot. You need to get rid of your, you know, your current T-shirt mm. and then put on this new Nike polo. And so, he stuffed his T-shirt into his pocket because there's <laughs> yes, this, this right. yeah, really huge, there's a huge bulge which can't be a phone or a wallet. <laughs> That's the Unless Richmond. he's doing really well. Is he still at Richmond? That's the rich. Yeah. No, I, th- so I don't think he's at Richmond anymore, is he? I think he's at the Pies. Are oh, no, talking no. about it? No, does he come mm. from Richmond? Anyway. 
He came from Virginia. It just struck me, actually, that no, the, the Band-Aid on Leper's shin. Mm. Mm. That might be covering up the lion's tattoo. The irony of these two Ooh. guys having um, inflicted some pain on um, our club that has not been talked about much. But mm. that's there, bubbling away in the background. Not that we care. I mean, it's a long time ago now. Um, no, we're board. very excited. The two things really that struck out for me with McRae's appointment, and I don't know if anyone out there has picked up on this, but um, it's a couple of things. So I think his background is in teaching, right? Yeah. Um, so this is a tactic, and I'm going to throw. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to divulge this to our listeners. And next time, well, when you're allowed to catch up with friends and family, just slip this one into conversation. See if it doesn't, you know, get a really good reaction from you from from the person you're speaking to. I'm all over this, but he tends to answer questions with a compliment. Did you pick up on that? No, so okay. uh, ask ask me a question, Alex. Ask me a question. Any question, just go. Demo, um, what are you wearing today? That's a really good question, Alex. Oh, thanks. I've gone with just a, yeah, there, so we he go. Diffuses, there we go. He diffuses any kind of evil intent in the questioner. He just throws. He just. He just. Just a bit of praise. Just a, a little. A little dust of um of 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 positive praise to make the person asking the question, the person at the other end, just feel a little bit more important. And I think that, that in itself, okay, is emotional that in intelligence. itself is Craig McRae's coaching style. He empowers and he makes everyone feel just a little bit better about themselves. Um, and I think you're going to see that come through. I'm, I'm deadly serious with this. I'm not going, this is not a stunt or a joke. But that's that's how the that's how the man works. But he's also got the other end of the spectrum, doesn't he? Because he's got the carrot and he's got the stick. No yeah, doubt. Yeah, and I saw a little. We saw some stick in the press conference, and I loved this. It was mm. a couple of times he got asked questions, and he delivered one-word answers, and mm. he stared down. Oh yeah, the barrel of the Zoom call, and yeah. one of them was the question was those lion sides that he played in previously were mm. were ruthless. Is there an element of that in your coaching? Yes. Love yeah. that. Succinct. Enough said. He got asked about like the machinations of the board. He's like, has it had an impact? Did you have to consider it? No. Love it. Yeah. And you need that edge. We talked about in a previous podcast, we talked about the charisma required. Um, was that the word? Gravitas required Gravitas. to be a senior coach at Collingwood, meaning grumpiness in the media and ability to mm. tell the reporter to shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And he's got mm-hmm. an edge. And um, mm. I like that. You're going to need that. But he's got the carrot and the stick, as you said. He's got two sides. He's got two sides. The other thing that I liked, and I feel like we've become a little bit scared of this word, but I'm calling it the W word. It's it's winning, right? Mm. So from the outset, from his first press conference right through to the 360 report, he, he talks a lot about winning. He knows how to win. He has an appetite for winning. Mm. He wants he wants behaviors. to de- develop the behaviors that, that lead to winning and not not sounding out any other coach of the Collingwood Football Club, but we're a professional sporting team Mm. and we're judged ultimately everyone's role, whether you're the bootstrapper, the property steward, right up to the head senior coach or the star player. You're going to be judged by by wins and losses. Yeah. And one thing that he said, I'm trying to, I haven't written this down, but I, I, th- I think he said this. He's like, we're not happy with where we finished on the ladder. Mm. Now, this was a dude who... It was day one of his job. Hadn't spoken to a single player. Had just been announced 
like obviously you, you you land the dream job you're coaching Collingwood there's so many emotions going through he's had not he's played no part in the failures or the disasters or catastrophes at board level or the on-field performance but the first thing he says and this is aimed directly at members mm. is we're not happy with where we finished on the ladder yeah and i just think that line is so so important and and clearly it's why we've seen so much love and adulation for this guy can he coach we don't know is he going to be a great Collingwood coach we don't know are the ingredients there yeah i, I would say i would say you know we'll chat to our guest about this um in the next segment but i i would say the appointment has been a success but obviously the hard work starts now but just yeah, it helps that he's got an immaculate record as Collingwood coach i mean but isn't yes, he does, he <laughs> yeah. does but isn't that isn't that like just at the end of the day, as supporters, you just want to, sometimes you just want to hear, and we didn't hear this from anyone at the club after the season finished. And it's not like, and I, I haven't seen it, I haven't heard this from a player. I don't know. I don't, I don't regularly consume all the Collingwood media. It gets a little bit full on. Mm. I'm sure someone has said it. I'm sure a Jordan Ruffhead or someone has come out and said it. You can send us a tweet or something off, off the back of this and, and prove us wrong. But I, I just haven't heard anyone come out and say, guys, we're Collingwood. We've just we've just finished in our lowest ever position since AFL was created. We are this is gonna burn. This is like, you know, acid reflux after a, a beer and a pizza. Mm. Like it's just gonna it's gonna eat away at our insides and we're going we're determined to to like not maybe not never let it happen again, but we're we're determined determined to improve. And day one, this guy's just mm. boom. Hit the hit the hit the nail on the head. And, and I think talking about yeah. winning reminded me of like when Maxwell came out was about two thousand nine preseason and said our, our goal is to win the premiership. And that you know football clubs are scared of talking about winning because if they don't mm. win, you know, it's a it's a, it's a rod for their own back in the media. Mm. And Richmond did it to, with success. They put this incredibly ambitious long term plan for three premierships and they achieved it. But I agree. Talking about winning, like it's an it's a positive narrative. It's a good way to start. But let, let me let me go to this demo. Like I heard this, mm. I, I read this an interview with McRae last mm. week, and everything about this section, this paragraph, screamed to me, demo. I want, I'm going to read it out, and I want you to tell me how this intersects with mm. your beliefs on this particular <laughs> issue. Mm. Quote. I think the thing with Brody, and I said to him when I got here, there's a team, there's the team on one hand, and then on the other hand is the glove. I think Brody is his own unique self. That I don't think the glove is ever going to fit on the team for Brody. He is different, and we want to embrace his difference, but at some stage you have got to put one of the fingers in the glove, maybe <laughs> two, to connect. I thought that was. The fact that he he isn't co has not coached a game for, with Collingwood, he'd barely know Brody Grundy, and he, the fact that he's come out in his first fortnight as senior coach, and he has illustrated or at least referenced a disconnect with our champion Ruckman and the rest of the team, it feels like he's gone right to the heart of something here, and it's a, something that we've talked about privately and on Pie Hard, that it's a phenomenon regarding Brody Grundy and players of his ilk. Whereby sometimes I don't know what would you say like they don't necessarily gel with the team ethos. I think it's a very modern problem, to be honest, and I think it, it, it we're going to see a lot more of it. I don't think this is a Brody Grundy issue. I think as we 
you know, as the generations of new players come through and we're seeing it with, you know, um, the Bailey Smiths of the world. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of different players that, and I hate this word. We spoke about this earlier, but like, what is it? Square peg in round hole or mm. what is it? he's a strange cat. If you do something like buy, if you buy an item of clothing from a thrift shop, you're automatically labeled this kind of like mm. quirky, weird ass. It's like, fuck it. the only shit I wear is from a thrift shop. So it's like, <laughs> I, I can't stand that that narrative within footy media, but it is an interesting thing. And it's why we're moving to teachers because they're, look, that struck a chord with me, clearly. I feel like McRae has been reading our pie hard WhatsApp group intimately to mm. understand that. But what I really liked about it is if that's what he's saying to the supporters and the media day one of his job, I think it was day one, it was very bloody early yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. What's he saying to the player? And I think you're right, he cut to the quick of, of I guess, the challenge for Brody Grundy that you can be an individual mm. And we will celebrate your uniqueness and your difference and your um, your personality. But at the end of the day, this isn't tennis. Yeah. This isn't rock climbing. This isn't Formula One. This is a team sport. So, you know, if you're not, if we're not all, you know, marching to the same beat, that same funky slinky beat, that our rhythm section of Craig McRae and um, mm. Graham Wright are, are, are throwing out there, slapping down on vinyl, then we're going to have issues and we're not going to go forward as a team. So I love that. Yeah. And God damn it, I think if every player, because I think every player should get something like that, it should be very much, you know, something that they can go away with in the preseason and think about and work on. It's damn. really interesting because it it doesn't, break down like Grundy's malaise in terms of statistics or effort because we kind of know he gives he, he gives close to maximum effort oh, most huge. of the time, right? It's this far more nebulous concept of connection. You know, he goes on to say, I think Brody is at that stage of his footy career where we need him to be more than a good preparer, maybe good at hitouts. We need him to connect. And if he's connecting in the group, hopefully we get more connection in the hitouts. So it's this really psychological element of like, connection and i feel like uh it's it's an interesting thing to coach and i'm glad mm. mccray's got the job not me because how do you practically put a framework in place whereby someone like grundy um can understand ways in which to connect or is it more like an off-field connection i mean these these questions are yet to be answered but you're right like he, he got right to the quick of that particular issue and it's something we've sensed to supporters for two years now um, and for ha to have the new coach identify it straight off the bat, almost one of the first comments on a player in the group was mm. um, really, really interesting. Yeah, and just just not you know the normal. I think the normal um, the normal path for a coach who really hasn't developed a relationship with any player who's been in the job for such a short amount of time would be like there are a couple of this is it, it'd go like this right. Yep, there are a couple of things that, you know, there are a couple of conversations I'm going to have with our senior players, the guys that are, you know, driving this team forward. I'm not going to go into it on Fox Footy. I'm not going to go onto it, go into it on Zoom, but we'll have those conversations over the next few weeks and and our aim is to get better. No, this guy, this guy analyzed, not only had he done his research, mm. he wasn't afraid to put it out there. And that to me, as I said, sends a very strong message to the entire playing group that, you know, he's really speaking the language of the supporters, right? He's speaking the language of the members. 
there's you everyone knows that that has been an issue this year. Everyone mm. knows that that's an area that we've fallen away and it's such an important area and we know that if we are to climb back up the ladder we need to we need to get that back. This guy he hasn't, you know, hasn't shocked the football world, football world by saying it or the words, but the fact that he's used that medium, he's used that podium, he's used that press conference to deliver that, you know, that self mm. um just really makes me feel like we did get the right guy. Yeah. Also, he didn't go into detail on like game plan, whatever. You wouldn't expect him to, right? And he actually said that they're going to go go away with the coaching group. He's going to, you know, give a lot of responsibility to Leper to develop strategy with him and all that kind of stuff, right? But I thought it was interesting in light of your brilliant analysis of the different historic coaches of the club and how they're all mm. short. He <laughs> did mention yes. Lee Matthews. He said, a lot of my coaching stems from Lee's principles. I think you'll see a lot of that. The playing group will anyway. I think the symmetry of this is tantalizing. Like Matthews mm. coaches Collingwood to a premiership with key player Peter Dacos. Later, Matthews coaches McRae to three premierships. Um, McRae then goes on to coach Collingwood and Nick Dacos, Peter Dacos's son. I mean, it's, it's just an incredible kind of time warp continuum. Have you seen Dark? Dark, the TV show, German kind of, um, you know, TV show on Netflix. It's no, I basically, you know, people end up kind of hang. There's a there's a time warp, and people end up accidentally hang out with like, um, you know, their mothers who are younger than them, and this kind of stuff. But I thought it was a, a great symmetry mm. to see, like, you know, perhaps if there is any kind of clues, it does lie in that ancient, revered mm. Lee Matthews system, which I have no idea what that is. Um, it's kind of plays beating up on smaller players, as far as I could remember from the early two thousands, but. Um, he was successful, Matthews, and so we hope that uh, McRae's picked the eyes out of what he learnt all those years ago. 95% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, Dark. It's pretty high. I don't tend to watch anything that's below 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to etch that one down. It might, if you can f- follow the tonight. plot for more than the mm. first season, then you've got a higher IQ than I do. Subtitles, obviously. Okay, well, listen, I think we could salivate and pontificate on Craig McRae all day and we will for this entire pod and we, we probably will but <laughs> i i would i would say now is probably a good time to maybe take a step back mm. and lift the lid on the very process that led the collingwood football club to craig mccray and we are very lucky today to have a very special guest not only is he a premiership collingwood magpie but he was one of the five one of the fab five mm-hmm on the coaching subcommittee board that was responsible for ultimately Craig McRae's appointment. Now, not much has been written, not much has been read about the details around the process. We know a little bit. Yeah. Um, we know that it's been heavily lauded. We know that it was successful ultimately as far as, you know, as far as we know in terms of finding the right the right person for the job as it stands. But I think we've got an opportunity now to really sort of dive in a little bit into the machinations and the process that led to it. Um, we are very excited to have him on. He's been very generous with his time, and I think we should go straight into it. Um, this is our very special interview with Collingwood Premiership Magpie, Mr. Luke Ball. <laughs> Okay, we're joined today on Pie Hard by Collingwood Royalty, a man who carved out a decorated AFL career, 
played 223 games and is famously described as the last piece of the jigsaw in Collingwood's 2011 NAB Cup Grand Final winning side. A tough and uncompromising player, a driven leader on and off the field and a humble champion are some of the ways that we would describe him. Whether it be a subdued reaction as the siren sounded on the Pies epic 2010 Grand Final victory, or the outburst of raw emotion he displayed after kicking the winning goal in the famous 2011 prelim against the Hawks, our guest's intelligence, passion and commitment has long struck a chord with all who follow the Magpies. Recently, he re-entered the Collingwood orbit cast yet again as the final piece of the puzzle in the club's five-person coaching subcommittee responsible for finding and recruiting the next senior coach of the Collingwood Football Club. And at Piehard, we feel all the more confident for having had his formidable football brain on the job. Luke, welcome to Piehard. How are you going? Well, gents, that's as good an intro as you'll ever get. Uh, I fear that it's going to be downhill from here. I don't think my mum could come up with, a, with an introduction as good as that. So no, I really appreciate it, and it's great to uh, great to have a chat, guys. I hope we got it all right. Um, just just <laughs> I'm personally, not gonna, I'm not going to correct you. <laughs> okay, great. Just but just personally, how are you going at the moment? How are things for you? Oh yeah, I'm a bit like everyone, um, guys. Yeah, a bit um, a bit bored, a bit frustrated. Uh, you know, mixed with a bit of perspective. You know, from my point of view, um, I've always been of the view that that health, you know, is is the most important thing uh, in life, almost and. I've got a young family. Got three girls under six, so um, it's a bit of a a bit of a daily grind. Um, mm-hmm. But again, mixed in with all that, um, you know, we I try and remind our me and my wife try and remind ourselves every night that um, that we're healthy and, and we're you know we're lucky to be so. And there, there are plenty plenty worse off than us mm-hmm. all over the world, of course, uh, let alone in our backyard. So so yeah, it's been a crazy time, hasn't it? Uh, but we're here. It's grand final week. It's not uh, two years in a row. It's a, it's a different grand final week, isn't it? But I'm still looking very much forward to the to the game on Saturday, anyway. Absolutely. And I don't know if you know this, but you've um, you've warmed the heart indirectly of a lot of Magpie fans out there over the last couple of weeks, thanks to your uh, your work on the on the coaching appointment. And we're going to touch on that in a little bit of detail, but I might start off as we always do at PyHard with the hard question. Now, Luke, everyone knows that you're not just a football brain. In fact, you finished secondary school with a VCE score of 98.8. What was it like walking into a club with fellow intellectuals like Dane Swan, Heath Shaw and Alan Dido? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's the beauty of footy though, isn't it? That, uh, that, you know, it's it's a game for everyone, and um, <laughs> I know I've often said well I've often said that uh, I've often said that that those guys uh, in particular, some of those guys that you mentioned, were great for me at the time. So obviously, I'd had eight years at St Kilda, um, and you know, sought a, a change of environment after going through you know pretty well, really difficult time in terms of my footy career, you know, that was probably the, the toughest time that I'd faced to that point and was really low on confidence and, and um, you know, questioning my love and, and drive to, to play still, even at, at, you know, at its worst point. And, and walking into a place with, with, with a lot of those guys that you mentioned um, probably opened up my eyes a little bit. I, I was always very, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, 
I was a bit robotic and, and a bit, you know, footy had to be done this way. And, um, you know, I probably didn't allow myself to, to switch off and enjoy it enough through that period. And, and guys like that made me realise that, that um, you know, there's more than one way to skin the cat. And, mm. you know, all those guys that you mentioned, they, they were obviously magnificent players um, and hard trainers in their own right, but they just, uh, they just enjoyed footy and didn't take it too seriously. Oh, yeah, I, I probably... And, and yeah, don't get me wrong. It's 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 a serious business, and and you want to you know do well, and, and everyone is striving to, to to achieve that ultimate success. But those guys opened my eyes a little bit, and by that stage, I was you know mid twenties, of course, and played a fair bit of footy. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys, in particular, um, like you know Swanee and, and Shorey and Daisy Thomas, um, made me realise that. You know, it's not all serious. You can have a bit of fun, and there are there are not um, there are different ways to go about it a bit. And even the way yeah, I approached um, the games, you know, from from sort of that period onwards, just changed a little bit uh, having played with those guys. So, um, to answer your original question, I think that's the beauty. It is the beauty of footy that uh, you know that that it, uh, people come from all different walks of life and, and backgrounds. And, and when, once you get into that locker room, though, you, you, you share a common bond and, and you're all striving towards doing the same thing. Luke, I dare say the sentiment goes both ways and perhaps the Rat Pack uh, needed a bit of your roboticism to elevate <laughs> to the level required to win a flag. But, um... I, I like to say I, I, I certainly wasn't a member, of course, but I like to say that every now and then, maybe, maybe on a monthly basis, the, the Rat Pack, Allowed me a day pass into the uh, into the into the into the group uh, just to sort of hang out a bit and, and as you said maybe just maybe just impart a bit of um, a bit of wisdom that, that they might have otherwise have come across. So yeah, I think I don't think that's a fair call. I think um, perhaps I might have I might have been able to offer a little bit to them as good as they were for me. As long as you didn't get the uh, the night pass with the rat back down Chapel Street, I think you've probably made a good call. <laughs> it was call. usually a day pass. You're right. It was usually <laughs> a day pass. It, it probably wound up at about well, certainly midnight where I was home in bed. <laughs> Luke, the reunion re- reunion of that premiership side was due to take place, obviously, last year. And we, we had the pleasure of interviewing Ben Johnson on this podcast, um, and he was looking forward to it at the time. Um, mm. I dare say it hasn't gone ahead. You might correct me if I'm wrong. But, but when it does go ahead, I'm just wondering... From our perspective, from the outside looking in, that the Collingwood team of 2010 seems like quite an odd jumble of personalities. Um, mm. Are you more likely to hang out in the corner with the Rat Pack, perhaps uh, exchange some witticisms with Alan Tuvey or talk finance with Chris Dawes? <laughs> um, maybe D, all of the above, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, um, you know, the excitement was building, I think, we started planning for about July that year, and we were going to have a little. We were going to sort of really draw it out over a weekend and, and have a function with the 1990 guys as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it would have been 30 years for them, uh, 20 years for us, and then we were going to go off and do our own thing the next night. Um, but yeah, obviously that that bit the dust last year, and then okay, well let's let's see if we can postpone it a year, and we'll have to do an 11th, and, and obviously that hasn't happened this year, and. With some of those guys, or with John O and a few of those other guys you mentioned, they're not that keen to do it over teams, as you can imagine. So <laughs> um, the, the, the further it keeps getting pushed back, uh, I, I dare say the uh, 
the bigger the, the day or the weekend might be, we might keep having an added day onto the uh, onto the festival. Um, but yeah, you know, I think yeah, it was. You're right. It was a pretty sort of um, interesting, yeah, eclectic, diverse group at times. So, you know, there was um, in terms of off the field. Yeah, there was certainly some, some different personalities. Again, one thing we had in common on the field was you know we we trained hard and and um, and, and you know, really, really played to our strengths, and and obviously, you know, went through a really, really good period there for the club. But a lot of those guys you mentioned, I, I haven't seen for a while. I, mean, I haven't seen, you know, I haven't seen anyone for a while really in person, have we? But um, and we've got a we've got a WhatsApp group that you know that, that ticks over a bit. But you know, Dorsey's over in New York now, um, mm. you know, enjoying life over there. Um, uh, El Tuvi, I think he's in. Oh, last I checked, actually, I won't have a guess because I'll get it wrong. Mm. But Tosh Goldsack in Adelaide, obviously, and yeah, so there's tends, obviously that tends to be what happens. You know, things move pretty fast. All of a sudden, it's yeah, eleven, you know, coming up to well, it's eleven years since um, since yeah. that day. So yeah, things things change pretty quick. What's the name of the uh, WhatsApp group called, Luke? <laughs> um, <laughs> let me check. <laughs> let me check. Um, I don't think it's anything. Uh, I don't think it's anything too outrageous. Uh, it's just, just, just very maybe, interesting. Maybe that's a little project for me. I, I think mm. it's just a, a pretty sort of line and length. Okay. Um, twenty ten flag pies, I think it's called. Yeah. Twenty twenty ten flag pies. That's it's it's what it says on the tin. Now we could talk about twenty ten. I think for for an entire pod, but we do we do want to bring it forward a little bit. We want to we want to talk about more more recent events with sure. you. Uh So look. We we all know the Collingwood Footy Club has has really been through a bit of a tumultuous period on on and off the field recently, and I think that's that's putting it mildly. As a player, you witnessed a changing of the guard at St Kilda from Grant Thomas to Ross Lyon, and then at Collingwood, Collingwood you were there for the for the well publicised Malthouse Buckley transition. Yeah. What is it like as a player inside a club when there's this sudden shift of leadership at the top? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I'll go back to the St Kilda one first. So, you know, Tom I was there was my first coach, and, and so um, by that nature, you develop a, a pretty strong bond. I started as a seventeen-year-old, so and a lot of those, a lot of those other um, young players, you know, you think of Rewald, Del Santo, these sort of guys had moved from interstate or or from from the country. Um, so he really was a, a father figure for you know for a lot of those guys, and. Um, I think there's the initial when it happens, or that in that instance, when it happened relatively quickly, and, and it was a bit of a shock to the system. And mm. um, I think you can you can very much separate your personal relationship, I think, with with the coach, and also at the same time, you know, you've really got to have faith that the club are acting in the best interest of the club, and they know what they're doing. So you know, as much as you might be disappointed as a um, mm. From a personal point of view, due to due to you know if you had a close a close relationship with a coach, and, and mm. you can absolutely um, you know go through that process and grieve if you have to. You've got to footy moves so quick. You've got to really um, get your mind back on the job as quickly as possible. If, if that sort of makes sense. So um, mm. that was the case at, at St Kilda because um, that was that was. You know, it was shock and, and quick, and, and you know, Tomo, the coach himself, was was devastated at the time. So it was a matter of you know, being there for him and putting an arm around him. But then also, you know, having faith that the club 
knew what they were doing at the same time. And that's the thing. And that, that was the case again at, at Collingwood. I was a little bit older, obviously, when I when I moved to Collingwood, and I, and I was aware when I moved there, I was aware that that, that was going to take place. So I went there with my eyes wide open that you know that I'd develop a relationship with Mick and a, and a really strong one. And mm. you know, Mick was great even before I got there. Um, you know, great in in what he had sort of set out for me in a sense that he just wanted me to to get back to enjoying my footy. So. And clearly, he he had that sort of similar relationship that I was talking about with Grant Thomas, with a lot of the young players um, that had started mm-hmm. under his watch at Collingwood. So, from my personal point of view, um, I had uh, a great relationship with Mick. I'd played against Buck, so I, I you know, knew him a bit. And unbelievable respect and admiration for him as a player. Mm. Um, and then knew that I had to, you know, that that, that was going to take place. So I knew that um, you know I had to build a relationship with him as a coach as well. So. Each player will, will handle it differently from a personal point of view, but, but from a collective point of view, you really need to have faith and trust um, yeah. that the club uh, know what they're doing and, and are doing it, obviously, with, with the club's best interest at heart. So um, it, it, can be a, it can be difficult, for, as I said, for some players who, who have really developed a, you know, a deep and strong relationship with that coach over a period of time. Yeah, look, look. I think I think that's a really good segue into um, the next section of the interview that we want to touch on, and and that is around the recent um, process uh, that you were a part of um, to find and recruit the next Collingwood coach. So we've we've read a lot, um, and it seems to me from you know the outside looking in that the interview process was quite a grueling one. And it was quite intensive. What what were the criteria that the candidates were ultimately judged on? Yeah, it was a it was a huge uh, thrill. Firstly, to yeah, to be asked, and, you know, honour to be asked to be part of it, and, and clearly it's a it's a huge uh, responsibility and a huge position um, that that was vacated um, at, at a really critical, as you as you mentioned earlier, a really cl- critical point in time. Uh, in the club's history, with you know with both Eddie and and Bucks uh, moving on, so um, yeah, I, I was rapt to be to, uh, to be asked to be involved. Uh, you know, a lot of the credit has to go to to Righty and, and Licker. Mm. You've had Licker on, I think. Did I see you, you might have had a chat to Licker at some stage as well? But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, you know, those guys really drove the process and and set up the the process in terms of putting you know rigor around uh, the list of candidates. Um, the the criteria and Mark Anderson, I, I should mention as well, the CEO had a, you know had a mm. big big part to play in that, and Pete Murphy, the other board member. So I you know, I was the I was um, the external, I suppose, uh, with with perhaps more of a a footy bent to to, to bring to the equation, but um, but clearly with you know linked to the club. So um, yeah, it was it was a really thorough um, process, uh, and uh, and it started with you know really. Casting the net to, to you know every every single coach out there, and really you know funneling it down from there, and and working through what we what the club needs at this point in time, um, and you know we, we got down to a to a certain amount of candidates that were that were invited to present, and they were all just so impressive. I mean that's that's the one thing I'd say. I um, mm. you know gone to the days of of just being a good player and. And walking in and, and trying to get a job off your reputation, you know these were these were seriously considered and, uh, and detailed 
um, presentations. You know, we, we gave them a, a, a template, you know, a rough template or a guideline as to, as to what we wanted to hear about, you know, starting from, from them as a person, obviously, which is, you know, the, the most critical thing and right through to, to, you know, if they were to be successful, their, their vision of the club and, and, and where they wanted to take it, and, um, you know, what their, what their strengths were as a, as a coach, um, and, and you know where 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 they potentially see areas of development, and, and it was a pretty really detailed process. And um, you know, COVID had a bit of a say in it. Unfortunately, it, it, it sort of made it a little bit um, stop start. But in the end, yeah, we as as was explained at the uh, at the announcement, we we feel like we you know we got a really really good candidate for the, from the for the job. Uh, unbelievable um, coaching pedigree and um, the amount of quality that he's worked with over the years, both within the industry and, and you know his experience at Melbourne Storm, for example. So, um, and and you know, he's, he's experienced the club as well. You know, he was there. He was the development coach when I was there. So I didn't have a heap to do with him because I was more of a senior player, but um, had a heap of respect for him there. I remember, you know, really, literally watching him teach Mason Cox how to kick over a two month off season. Mm. Um, this is a guy who. I think he arrived at the end of the year and he could not hit his foot. Um, and then we came back and <laughs> three months later and he was he was joining yeah. in lane kicking and, and you know hitting him lace out. So so he's clearly you know um, strong on skill development. But but then from that period he's he's gone on and, and really developed mm. as a as a coach, coached his own team, um, coached under some amazing coaches, you know, the most successful coaches of the modern era. So rounded out his really you know, rounded out his apprenticeship last year under under Elster Clarkson at Hawthorne mm. and um, no guarantees of course, you know, we'd yeah. to put the right support around him and keep bringing talent through the door but we feel like he's um, he's as ready as he'll ever be. So um, you know, I, I you know, wish him all the wish him all the best. So look it's a really interesting time to at the club in so many ways. Um you know, there's been enormous financial pressure being wrought on the AFL um, and all clubs due to COVID. Collingwood itself has had, I'd say, a fair amount of member disaffection um, throughout the last 18 months um, through a combination of factors, really. Um, I'm just wondering, it seems that one of the, the ambitions of, of, of the current board, you know, must be to kind of elevate the club, get it back onto Broadway, so to speak, Um and when the when the gates finally do reopen, to be able to kind of boost membership and attendance, um, and ultimately, you know, kind of make the members happy. In that context, when you are looking for a new coach to recommend, um, did you did you did you think that you know the game plan or game style was an important part of consider the consideration, you know, for the proposed strategy of the different candidates, you know, that you're interviewing. Oh, it was certainly a big part of it. Yeah, I think um, clearly um, how they are as a person and their ability. I mean, these days, in particular over the last couple of years with what's happened, um, we've seen a, a real shift in, in a coach's uh, need to have that that really strong emotional intelligence and ability to um, put themselves out there a bit, you know, really be open and, and you know, vulnerability, you hear, you hear that term a lot, mm. uh, and really be able to connect with their players on a on a human and and person level first. So that yeah, you know, that that's certainly been a big part of it. And then obviously, yeah, with 
the way um, the way then that he's able to um, to implement a, a game style to, to, that suits his his playing group, I, I guess first and foremost, and a, and a game style that's going to be sustainable and uh, and stand up in you know this time of year, at the very time of year that we're witnessing at the moment. That mm-hmm. you know, clearly the, the two teams that run out on the weekend that they've been able to do so. Easier said than done, um, and you know, in terms of X and O's, there's a lot of coaches out there that are that are really good at that sort of stuff. So it, it is a it is a balance. Uh, it's an interesting one. There, you know, there's there's a real balance now, and, and it's not. We spoke before about you know who you put around, who, who you put around, and it really is a matter of that now. It's it's going to be tough to find someone who can tick every single box. You know, in terms of mm-hmm. the way they. Uh, relate to players, um, uh, and then you know the, the the footy side of things. So it's as much about, and that was a part of you know, part of the process as well. It's as much, as much about who they see. Are they clear on on areas where they feel like they need to bring people in to be able to complement in those areas, complement them in those areas? So that was a big part of it. But yeah, to your, to your question, I, clearly we we yeah you know, we we want to be a, a team that um, that the supporters are. And I think Fly said this in his, in his interview. The supporters are really proud to come and watch week in, week out. Now, yep. eighty thousand members are going to have a different definition, but uh, of what that means. But I don't know about you, but from my point of view, that that's a team that's really hard to play against. You know, really hard to play against. Tough. Um, mm. That make the opposition earn every possession. You know, they're relentless with their pressure, and then when they get it, uh, you know, they they're exciting and they. Move the ball fast, and mm-hmm. and ultimately, you know, we still we still we know you still got to kick a winning score to to win games of footy. So again, it, it, it sounds pretty easy, but but 150 odd years of footy, there's still only those still really only those three phases, isn't there? When when they've got it, when we've got it, when it's in dispute. So there's a reasonable starting point. You know, when I think supporters would be happy if you know we're exciting and, and bold when we've got it. If um, we're tough and uncompromising when when it's in dispute and, you know, we're relentless with our pressure when, when they've got it and we're desperate to get it back. And well, I think you'll find that the team that salutes from the last Saturday in September most years, more often than not, ticks those three boxes uh, better than anyone else. Mm. You mentioned in there, Luke, that the, the way a coach relates to players is important. And from a pie-hard perspective, we have a lot of fun on our podcast analysing I suppose the emotional landscape of players today and how that might have changed, um, you know, since we were young. And mm. Now, you've obviously played under Ross the Boss and, uh, and at times cantankerous Mick Malthouse. Um, you know, there's <laughs> some certain kind of old school tenets to their leadership style. Mm. We, all, we all know that there's a, there's a generational shift that's, that's taken place and continues to take place. I'm wondering, in the, in the selection of the coach, how did you go about trying to identify what today's young draftees require from a head coach in, in an emotional or psychological way? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I, I don't want to sound too old and grumpy, but I, I think there's still certainly uh, a place for having some sort of you know, reverence um, from a player's point of view towards the coach. I, I think uh, again, it's a balance, but it can't be all, you know, all lovey-dovey and, and mates. Mm-hmm. I, I think there has to be, um, like those coaches that you mentioned, or all the coaches I played under, there's, 
there has to be that level of of, um, of uh, as I said, yeah, that reverence and, and and respect that if if you you know if you're not living the standards or or you're not playing your role for the team, then you know you're going to be you're going to be held to account. So, and that that was certainly a big part of the process as well. I think um, you know, it's like as I said, I knew him as a development coach, so the focus from from that point of view was, was certainly more around building the uh, the relationships and the confidence with with younger players. But um, you know, I wanted to be confident that uh, he could look a senior player, you know, between, look him in the eyes or hit them between the eyes when they were. They weren't doing the job for the team as well. So, um, you know, I, I think I got confidence walking away from the process that he can certainly do that. And again, you know, the, the best coaches of, of, of all time, but, but even the modern era as well, certainly have that capability in them. So it's a, it's a good question. It's a, it's a, it's a balance. Um, it's a, and it's the art of coaching, isn't it? It really is. It's, it's spending the time. And you really only get it if you dedicate the time. And I was wrapped to hear, you know, Fly say, I think he started that process already. He's he's going to spend the first first ninety days at the club sitting down with everyone and spending an hour with them and, and, and really, you know, really getting to uh, getting to the bottom or starting to get starting to unravel what what drives them as people. And, and this is players, um, coaches, administrators, you know, boost starters. I think that's. The great strength of his, um, and I think everyone everyone knows that 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 what needs to be done, but not everyone takes the time to do it. And I've got you know confidence that he'll he'll certainly do that. So um, and, w- and once you build those relationships, then you then you you be, if you build them deep enough, then you're able to have those honest conversations. So that's the art of coaching. Um, mm. Again, with the best coaches we see are able to do that clearly. Uh, they're able to. Put their arm around players and, and give them a cuddle when they need it, but also you know hit them fair and square between the eyes when they need it as well. So, it's a good challenge for Fly, but I, I'm sure it's, it's, it's one that he's very much up for. Yeah, look, as supporters, Luke, we we were really struck. I, I think the initial you know introductions to to Fly, obviously there was the uh, the press conference and then a couple of media. Um, you know, interviews that he's that he's had to to follow up. I think a couple of things have really struck us as as fans and members of the club is just he speaks very direct. Um right. and he made he he made some assessments on some players to the media, which I think, you know, a lot of uh, I won't go into it, but a lot of supporters have kind of maybe thought or felt and the way that he kind of cut to the quick uh in terms of his appraisal or his assessment on players' strengths and 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 areas of improvement. I think was really interesting to 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 hear as a supporter. Also, he touched mm. on winning. He touched on we we touched on this earlier on in the pod before you joined about how he's mentioning the word winning and he understands mm. the process and he knows what needs to happen to get to a position where you can win and that he's been a part of winning teams. And it's it's just mm. little things, right? It's it's it, it's kind of crazy, but when you hear a coach talking like that and it doesn't need to be hyperbole it doesn't need to be a coach coming out and saying this is what we expect to win in the next four or five years because i think all a lot of collingwood supporters would understand where our lists are but just to just to understand that as a team we're not really happy with where we've been or or, or the current result but we're really committed to getting back back to to the top or back to broadway or or just getting better Uh, Mm. i think you know says a lot about the man and i think it gives a lot of comfort to collingwood supporters were you surprised i'll ask a question were you surprised by the response (coughs) from the football world to craig's appointment 
And are you aware of the Beatlemania-esque excitement amongst Collingwood supporters every time he speaks? <laughs> uh, was I surprised? I was pleasantly... Uh, I was happy, yeah. I, um, I possibly was a little bit surprised um, because, you know, there, there was certainly some commentary around the fact that it wasn't a normal Collingwood appointment, I suppose, in inverted mm. commas, but mm. um, I don't know whether that had anything to do with it or not. Um, yeah, clearly it's been a you know, really tough couple of years and, and perhaps just change generally, having gone through a couple of tough years is enough just to spark a bit of enthusiasm in in people in general. So mm. um, so it was a nice surprise. Um, and I think you know, it's a really good pickup. The, the, the fact that he, he drew attention to, to the fact that, he, that he's a winner. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think he might be saying that, that that was a big part of his presentation. Um, and and that, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, that, as you said, you have to win every week or, or win every year. Yes, he was part of successful teams as a player and as a coach, but he was, he was quick to point out he was also part of teams that weren't, that were down the bottom, that were no good. Mm, right. What he's talking about, what he's talking about is the process and the behaviour. And yeah, um, and he had examples of that as well. And I'm sure that he'll that'll be one of the first things that he shows the players. And and they are just little things. Um, and again, you know, it's a bit of a copycat industry. I you know, Richmond have shown that they've mm-hmm. really championed it from a culture point of view in recent times. Um, so there's an element of of copying and, and everybody's saying they're going to do it, but I, but he's genuine. He, he, he's it is in his DNA. It is how he operates. So mm. he will commit to it and make sure that it's not just a passing craze and something that mm. they do, you know, for weeks one to four and then it dies off. He, he's genuinely committed to it. So again, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean we're going to be four and zip. We might be zero and four, but I would hope and I would expect that we'll see. Those winning behaviours, those winning actions, and it might be something as simple as picking up your teammate off the ground or um, making the extra effort to run twenty metres to, uh, you know, to, to 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 pull a couple of teammates in for a chat after a goal. Little things like that. Mm, mm. I, I'd, I'd be um, really expecting that we'll, that we'll or, or supporters can be expecting to see those those behaviours start to. And he spoke about them really starting to been grained over the over the preseason, so um, yeah, mm. yeah, you're right. It might only be there might only be subtle shifts, and I think that's the other point. I think it was clear that it's, it's not about bringing the broom. There's stuff that's obviously worked really well uh, yeah. and, and still working. So it, it, it's just about adding, you know, it's, it's about uh, tweaking and adding adding to those things that are that are already strength around the place. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, I was. I was happy that that it was met with um, that it was yeah, it was really well accepted broadly across uh, both media, but also most importantly the the Collingwood uh, members and, and supporters. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of good news, so that was that, that was a welcome respite. <laughs> you, you mentioned you mentioned Luke um, that that it was. I think this was a media narrative, but it did feel like a very un Collingwood appointment. Was that was that deliberate? And did you? Did you feel the need to roll fly out on the back of a Lexus with some pyrotechnics and some smoke machines, or did you have to talk fly out of that? <laughs> uh, it certainly wasn't deliberate. No, no, it was very much about um, about 
making a thorough process and and getting the purse, you know, getting the, the best candidate uh, at the end of that process that you know that we thought was available. So um, it, it, it wasn't a deliberate thing that that might have ended up being um, you know someone with more experience or or an ex coach, but um, it certainly wasn't a, a deliberate thing. And um, oh yeah, I think I think COVID lent itself to that anyway, didn't it? You know, there was um, the Zoom press conference. Uh, probably doesn't lend itself to a, to um, to the bells and whistles, does it? So yeah. that that suited him just fine. Though I think he said that um, he, he's, and you know, that, that's certainly a part of that was a part of the you know the, the criteria or the or the the um, the process as well. You know, the media clearly, and especially at a, at a, at a club like Collingwood, that, that's that's a real thing, and that's something that you need to be. You need to be aware of and, and need to have your need to go in with your eyes wide open about. Um, he'll do it his own way. He's um, he's uh, he's not allowed sort of extroverted type clearly, but um, yeah. he can be firm. And and going back, I think the fact that he he had I think it was four years at the club, maybe three at Collingwood. He gets the you know he gets the Collingwood tax, I call it. He gets the extra ten percent that comes with it. So. <laughs> Um, he, he'd experienced it. He, he'd seen it with Mick. Yeah. Uh, he'd seen it at times where we were absolutely humming. You know, he'd seen it when the machine was in was in full force. So um, he's had some exposure to it. So I, I think, yeah, like any young coach, he'll, he'll grow into that role. But um, mm. I don't have any concerns with him from a, from a media point of view. What can we expect in terms of developing a young side? And you've been you've been a part of young sides that have built to great success. What can we expect in terms of the stepping stones? You know, along the way over the next several years, I suppose my real question is, when are we going to have another crack at the granny? When are we going to be playing in the grand final? Yeah, read between the lines. <laughs> um, well, I told him, I told him next year or the year after at the very latest. Thank yes. you, Mike. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, nah, that's look, what we love. Right answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think. Look, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously. I think another thing he says, you know, we're just stealing coach from his press conference, but we, we want to get as, as as good as we can, as quick as we can. Mm. So no ceilings, it's no. And I, I think we, you know, with AFL, it's such a, such a competitive, brutal industry. It's not a linear thing. It's not, you know, tenth one year, eighth, sixth, fourth, second, and then you win it. You know, we we, we just don't. We've seen. I mean, Melbourne finished ninth last year, and they've been mm. clearly the best team this year. So. You've got to get things right. You've got to make some good decisions. We, we, obviously, Collingwood will bring some talent through the door, and it looks like um, you know there's, there's one pretty handy, handy kid lined up, ready to go straight away. Um, and then it's just yeah, a matter of the coaches and the playing staff um, putting a plan in place to to improve individually, um, and that's from you know that's from um, Nick Dacos right through to Scott Pendlebury. You know, he's, I remember Robert Harvey. I know, you know just Robert Harvey has, has just left the club. Um, I remember him at 38 saying that that he was going to try and improve something. Uh, you know, in his last year at St Kilda as a player. So, um, old and young, improve uh, individually in terms of what you can bring, your strength, what what strengths you can bring to the team, and then uh, you know work out a way to to bring all that together uh, and get it, and get on the same page and. Um, and that's what he'll obviously be doing over this off and, and pre-season. And, um, reluctant to, you know, to to put a, a number on it or a year on it, but but you know, I'll be really disappointed if, if 
we didn't improve mm. um, the way we played next year more consistently. And uh, and yeah, of course you need a bit of luck. I mean, you know, we want Darcy Moore to, to come back fit and firing, obviously, and, mm. and a handful of others that struggled through you know, throughout the year with injury. You, you, you absolutely need a bit of luck. But um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'd all obviously love some love love improvement, wouldn't we? From, from, um, from this year. <laughs> Luke, you, you mentioned the chosen one, Luke, Nick Dacos. Um, Is that what we're calling him already? Look, here at Pie Hard, we, um, we've got this thing okay. called the Dacosian calendar. Um, we put the next dynasty at 2025 to 27 uh, okay. circa. Um, yeah. Did Craig... Well, are we, 2021? Yeah, that's fair. Did, yep. did Craig mention Nick in the interview process? No, he didn't. No, he... No, oh, um, damn. And I think, um, uh, actually, you know what? I'm lying. I think he, I think he might have. I think he might have. Um, Breaking some news. We, we, the, we, as we got closer to the to making the decision, yeah, we, we obviously got the candidates, candidates to just to delve a little bit deeper into into Hollywood and, and where they saw the list in particular. And, and yeah, there's, a, there's obviously a bit of work to, to play out there from a list management point of view. I, I'm guessing, and, and you know, Graham Wright. Was was a part of the process there, so he'll work really closely with with Fly and and um, and Decker Hine on that side of things. But yeah, he, he, Fly had a had a view on where he saw. Um, you know, he's a keen watcher of the game. He, he he watched a fair bit of, of of Collingwood this year. He had um, he had some views on on where he saw the talent and, and where we you know where we perhaps needed to bring some in. So. Um, That'll hopefully play out in the next month or so. Okay, well, we'll, we'll too much pressure on the on the savior. Was it? <laughs> no, was it the savior no. or chosen the chosen one? one. The chosen, child. sorry, the chosen. Okay, the chosen. <laughs> get get a, get a bit of bit of pressure with a name like that, Luke. Uh, big que- big question. How will you know personally if the subcommittee's made the right choice? And, and what would you say to supporters is a fair measure of success for a first time senior coach? Well, if we're if we're Norton six, um, I'll be saying he wasn't my choice. <laughs> I someone ahead of him. I'll be saying I'll be saying it was liquor. It was liquor and riding. I had nothing to do with it. I wanted him. You're a boss man. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, look. I, again, I, I I really like the I really like the comment around the fact that. You know, he, 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 we, we want we want to play. We want our players. We want to play in a way that, that makes our supporters proud to come and watch and, and to walk away from the game, win, lose, or draw, really proud of, of the way they play. Um, you know, I spent a couple of years at Essendon actually recently, um, mm. prior to last year, and and um, and I know that you know that they had a really similar focus, and I think we saw that. Probably come to fruition this year, and and if you do that, if you build a start, you start to build a brand of footy that you know stands up, you know, towards this end of the year, and um, and you know you you sort of you, you really believe in that and start to start to play consistently. Then it's amazing how quickly you know, players, with a bit of luck, obviously, but it's amazing how quickly players can start to start to believe and start to grow in confidence, and how quickly it can turn. So. Yeah, yeah. Wins a lot, win a loss. I know it's a win and loss business, and, and we'd love to win a lot more games this year. But uh, sorry, next year. But that's 
that's what I'll be really keen to see next year. Um, you know, whether it's, as I mentioned earlier, whether it's, you know, how we, how we're going about it when, when we don't have the footy, when the opposition have got the footy, how we're going in the contest, um, and then how we got it, you know, when we've got the footy, how we're moving the ball, I, I, you know, win, lose, a draw, that's, that's what I'd sort of be looking for is to, yep, we're, we're making strides here and, um, you know, I'm really you know, proud to proud to say that I'm supporting this team. I think that's yeah. that's a good starting point, anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. Look, I, I think we I think we fully support you on that one. I think as as supporters, we are excited. It's it's a bit of a different type of excitement than what we've kind of been used to over the last couple of years in terms of we know exactly where we're at but um i think you know testament to you and thank you too for breaking down the process for us i think you know as outsiders we're we're always we're always not really we hear a lot about these kind of coach searches at the moment but we're not really clear on what is it is it reminiscent of a a, you know commercial search for a for a high-powered individual or is it like a job search like how does it actually well, I mean it is I mean it's such a big role these days that, mm. that it has to be yeah it is when you think about it when you think about the uh you know, the scrutiny the pressure the role carries the responsibilities that it carries not just coaching 44 players but, but you know being a figurehead for the whole club and a particular mm. a club like Collingwood it, it really does command and warrant uh a, 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 you know thorough and proper process so uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I was only a very small part of it, but um, mm. you know, I think, you know, I think that, um, that you know, Licker, the board, and and, uh, and Wrighty and Mark Anderson um, gave it its its due its due importance and and did a really good job. Did anyone at Carlton call you, Luke? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get my phone didn't ring, so I did have a chuckle at that. Well, um, we are very much as supporters enjoying that. Um, you know they've got um, they've got a select from our dregs. Uh, take that as a <laughs> comment, not a question. Um, oh, I'd imagine you'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Luke, we're, we're going to wrap it up soon, Luke. Our last couple of questions are about you. So mm-hmm. you joined the Collingwood Football Club, and we won a premiership. You joined our coach selection subcommittee, and we got Craig McRae. Is there any chance you'd like to be Collingwood president? Ah. <laughs> uh... Oh, Is that a bit, honest, of a, a bit of a po- poison a, chalice? No, I've got enough of my play. I've got enough. Uh, <sighs> I'm just trying to keep my head above water at home with with uh, with a wife and three kids at the moment. So, mm, no. <laughs> um, God damn it. Yeah, no, look, I, it was, yeah, I obviously know, um, you know, Licker and, and Pete Murphy uh, reasonably well for my time there. So, um, yeah, it was, that was great. I had a little taste of it there um, over that sort of period as the as to um, as to what happens at board level, so you know, certainly down the track, it's it's um, it's something that um, you know I could see myself being being really interested in. But yeah, at the moment I'm I'm from a day to day point of view anyway, having a bit of a, a bit of a spell from footy, enjoying trying to immerse myself in a in a completely different career. So we'll see how that mm. goes. Well, that, that's a beautiful segue into the next question. So we've seen you in uh, prominent in player advocacy, various roles in football. So what what's next for you, Luke? Is it um, an eventual return to clubland, or the more astute ex-player move of launching a progressive clothing line in a Brunswick Street pop-up store? <laughs> Not sure how my uh, no, I'll leave the clothing line to to the swans of the world. Sad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah. Look, as I said, I'm, yeah, I'm, 
Um, I mean, I, I just drafted the end of year 11, went straight into footy and had pretty well 20 years straight. You know, so um, I, I'm enjoying, yeah, having, a, I suppose, a bit of a, an opportunity to explore the real world at the moment. Um, you know, working in a financial services wealth management company, I've always had an interest in that. Um, so I've been, yeah, been working here since since January and, and just enjoying it. And, and part of it is just been able to enjoy going and watching the footy on the weekend with, with the kids, um, you know, not, not working at, at the footy. Mm. Um, so, mm. so that's been good. Um, you know, I, I love footy and it's, it's been my background. So I'd, at some stage down the track, you know, I'd, I'd possibly, if this, if this job anyway chews me out and spits me out, Choose me up and switch me out, then I, I might go crawling back to footy with my tail between my legs. But no, for the moment, I'm enjoying a bit of a spell and, and trying to. Well, there's nothing else. If you know, if I wanted to, eventually, um, look at a career back in footy. I think getting broader, some broader skills, um, and development outside the industry is is a good thing. So that's sort of where my head's at at the moment. As I said, whilst trying to raise three little rat bags and and keep a wife happy. Absolutely. Or, biggest challenges as you know (laughs) (laughs) absolutely well luke um you're certainly one of the most cerebral magpies uh we've had the pleasure to talk to nothing against um uh liquor or ben johnson (laughs) we've chatted to but um, (laughs) you'd be welcomed back into the club i'm sure with open arms as an administrator or president in due course um just like to say thanks so much for being generous with your time it's a real honor to be able to interview uh not just magpies but premiership magpies and give that kind of insight into, you know, the halls of power and the, the way things happen inside the club and, and the coach search. So, um, you know, we wish you all the very best for the future and hopefully we'll be able to chat to you again on Pie Hard before long. Thanks, guys. No, I enjoyed the chat. Cheers. Okay, Alex. Um, well, I don't think that's going to be the last time we spend uh, close to an hour talking about professing our love for both Graham Wright and Craig McRae. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, there's many more pods like this in the future. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, bearing some nuclear disaster uh, with the, within the Collingwood Football Club, I think this might be our last podcast for season 2021. But, I mean, if you're willing... And if it's possible, we could potentially sign a contract extension for next year. We'll see how it goes. We'll talk to the Collingwood Football Club about it. But just on I'd, that, I'd, I'd love to have you back. Look, you're going to have be hard pressed to keep me out, and you know we, we're going to have some serious. Look, we know how the off season works. You finish the season, you're pretty well done with footy. You're sick of it. It's been a roller coaster ride, but then you slowly but surely generate the buzz, the excitement over the summer months um, and by the time the new year rolls around you're pretty amped and there are a few things mm. to look forward to I'm going to just flag a couple mm. of things let's go high heart, let's tw- go. high heart 2022 alright so here are some of my ambitions we're going to have the pie hard dining guide now what that's mm. going to look like is that's going to be a live broadcast from uh, one of Melbourne's culinary institutions flower drum um <laughs> That's what I'm going for anyway. We won't tell them. Clearance. We won't tell them we're recording. Of course, it's going to be under no, We're going to reintroduce Terrace Talk just as soon as we're let back into the. Um, <sighs> that would be nice. The uh, 
beautiful, hallowed turf of the MCG, or not mm. turf, but the stands. We're mm. going to be um, concrete diving into um, some short-form Vox Poppy-style interviews with supporters to get your yes, opinion please. on the ground on game mm. day. And, of course, we're going to continue to bring you all of the fresh, scandalous content from inside the uh, the deep deepest recesses of the halls of power in the Lexus Centre. We're going to make good Paul Curie's promise to us, and I'm broadcasting it here so that Wicker knows that um, he's beholden to that promise to invite us into the President's Club luncheon during game. Um, so we will go to that lunch, Paul. Uh, we will dine on canapes and multiple courses of free beer, and we will report back to the Pie Hard Legion about all the machinations going on in the halls of power of the MCG and the Lexus Centre and everywhere else Collingwood related. No, I think we should actually pod from the President's function if we do get in there. I think that would be... Um, yeah. We certainly wouldn't have to worry about wrangling guests so they'd all be seated there. So we could maybe go around to, to the tables. Hidden microphones. Champagne flute in hand. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... Like Mike, Mike Whitney with like a $20 note and get them to do... What was that show? Who dares win? Who dares wins? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, as always, thank you so much for listening. We um, we've loved interacting with you guys throughout the season. Please, um, you know, feel free to hit us up on socials at Piehard Podcast. We'd always love to hear from you, even in the off season as the trades start rolling in. Uh, Alex, uh, it's been a great year. It has been challenging. It has been tough, but thank God for the Collingwood Football Club and thank God for Piehard for uh, for getting us through. Our little slice of community here fortnightly, and it's it has kept us going. And yeah, big thank you to the legions. Um, we've actually grown exponentially during the year. Um, people might not be aware, but um, our listenership is right up from the start of 2021 because people are sitting at home twiddling thumbs, wanting to hear more about the pies from the team here at Pie Hard. And it's been our absolute pleasure, genuinely, to um, mm. talk shit about the club. It's been fun, and we will be back in 2022. This is Pie Hard.